Hey, 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 and welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joyan. In the first two episodes of the Unbox Your Give podcast, I went through how to find your passion and how to find your passion minus your resume. So if you're in the journey of not knowing what your passion is or how to find it or you're close to it but you're not sure if it's the one that you need to move into or which direction to go to, go and check out those two episodes because I give you the step-by-step on how to find it. On the other hand, if you just want to get a training, uh, you're most welcome to go to unboxyourgift.com. That's unboxyourgift.com and you can download the training from there. Now, the episode three that I shared with you was on Jean Nightedge and how she created a movement, how she was able to turn the fat and the thin into her passion, which was the Weight Watchers movement. And she did that in the 1960s. Go check it out. It's very inspirational. It was all about her journey of how she was losing weight and wanted to help others do the same thing. Today in episode four, what I want to do is I want to be able to share with you a story of how someone was able to find their passion. And as always, passion comes from within. It comes from an internal experience. It comes from an internal um, yearning, not need, yearning to help, to contribute, to create value, to find fulfillment, first in one's own self, and then once one can find that in their own, the value, the fulfillment, the contribution to themselves, it's counterintuitive, but that's when the greater good can happen to helping your child, your family, your community, a cause, an organization, a town, a city, so on and so forth. So it really begins with you understanding yourself first, and not understanding yourself like I'm completely enlightened and To master oneself takes a lifetime. But to understand those things that you naturally gravitate to. That's what your passion is. And I find that as we grow through life, through school, through university, through work, through family, we steer away from that which we love to do because we're looking after the bills or we're looking after someone or we just kind of got distracted along the way. And it's important to come back home come back to the roots, to come back to what is that thing that gives light, that gives oomph to your soul. And that's what fighting your passion is. And by sharing this example with you today in episode four, I'm hoping that that ignites that passion, that light, that fire within you so that you know that your passion is really within you. And looking outside yourself is another way of distraction. Okay, so let's get to it. The person I want to speak about, uh, I want to give an example about today is Bill Wilson. Now, you've probably never heard of Bill Wilson, but you've definitely heard about his work. And so what I want to say about Bill Wilson, sorry, guys, I had to have a pause there because I thought the recording was going to stop, but we're still on air. The story about Bill Wilson. Now, I want to give you some background as to who Bill Wilson is. Otherwise, it's just going to sound like, okay, he's just another guy. Because by me giving you some background, you get to now be able to see his situation in life. You get to be able to um, maybe see yourself in his journey, maybe see someone else that you know in his journey, but be able to relate to the man more than just he's what he did. Because it's always a journey, right? Everyone says that. Life is a journey. It's about the journey and not the destination. Yeah, we've heard that a gazillion times. And by me sharing his background, I want to emphasize that journey rather than just saying it and know that the destination was just one big extraordinary move. And ordinary things had to happen behind him to get to that extraordinary move. So let's get cracking. 
So Bill Wilson was a little kid that grew up um, and grew up in a household that his parents were not always happy people. His father drank a lot. And as a result of the, his father's drinking, his parents divorced when he was very young. And his mother went off to college and he was taken in by his grandparents. And so his grandparents raised him and he was a well-rounded, well-adjusted kid under his grandparents' uh, love, leadership. And so he made it to college, finally got to college and fell in love with a lady, fell in love with a girl, I should say, fell in love with a girl who was the love of his life and she had to undergo an operation. And after that operation, she suddenly died. And it completely depressed Bill and put him through a deep depression for the next three years. But he gets through college and after college, he admits himself into military training. And in military training, he was stationed in a town where there are many wealthy families and they were having parties for young officers. And so he, Bill had never been around society, quote unquote, or high society. And so for, he didn't know how to act. He didn't know how to be with these people. He felt insecure and really fell out of place. And so one day someone put a cocktail in front of him and for all his life he had been a teetotaler. He never touched a drink because he didn't want to be like his father. But one day someone put a cocktail in front of him and he took a drink and another and another and he realized his feelings of feeling insecure and inferior and out of place was suddenly completely taken away by these drinks. These drinks made him feel comfortable. They made him feel at ease. There was no feeling of insecurity at all. And he was just part of the, pe part of the party. And so he quickly learned that every time he took a drink and had drinks, he felt, didn't feel any discomfort. And so too started a life of drinking for him. Anytime he felt out of thought or out of place, he just had a drink. And so long story short, he gets married to a lady by the name of Lewis. His wife's name is now Lewis. And after his training in the military, he becomes a securities analyst. A securities analyst. Analysist. There you go. Securities analyst. And he's very successful at this. And during this time, it's the Roaring Twenties. So it's the 1920s. The couple are doing, <coughs> excuse me, the couple are doing really well financially. They're living an affluent life. And for what it's worth, life is looking pretty good, except that Bill Wilson is starting to drink more and more and more. Every night after work, despite many promises and pledges to his wife, Lewis, that he's going to stop, he just keeps drinking. And then 1929 happens, and in that crash of 1929, they lose everything. By his mid-30s, Bill Wilson is being fired from jobs because of incidences in bars where he's just not carrying himself appropriately. And Bill Wilson finds himself in $60,000 in debt. So, this well-adjusted, well-rounded kid who kept away from drinking all his life because of his father goes into the military, has a drink because just to fit in, that creates a habit, 
these habits of drinking flow into his professional life after military, the military training and into his own life. It affects his personal life with his wife because he's drinking every night. The crash happens. They lose everything. It just puts more tension in his life. He's not keeping a job and he's $60,000 in debt because of his drinking. Now, what's really important to know at this time is that alcoholism is not seen as a disease during this era. It's seen more as a sin or a, a minor crime. But it's not seen as a disease which can be cured, which can be helped. So uh, anyone who commits a sin or has done, you can help that person. But in those days, from what I'm gathering in my research, no one is being able to say that there's a way out because no one's really discovered that way out of alcoholism. So he meets a doctor and he receives treatment from a doctor by the name of Dr. Silkworth who believes that alcoholism is an illness that can be cured but cannot be cured by willpower alone. And so under this doctor's guidance, Bill Wilson keeps up a pattern of sobriety for a few months, then goes into drinking bouts, followed by suicidal and depression, depression thoughts. So he goes into being okay and then back into bouts of drinking and then it's thoughts of depression, he goes into depression and thoughts of suicide and basically suspends his days drinking. And then one day an old friend, an old drinking friend, who also was an alcoholic, visits him. Bill offers him a drink and his friend declines it. And Bill is absolutely flabbergasted, gobsmacked, that his friend doesn't want to drink. And he asks why and the friend reveals that he's become part of a, a group and he's found religion and he's part of this group called the Oxford Group, a non-denominational evangelical Christian movement that encourages absolute honesty with oneself and most importantly that his new faith has cancelled out the desire to drink. And it was as if God had taken over the problem and he was free, productive and happy. Now, Bill Wilson was not a believer. <coughs> Excuse me. In fact, he was a non-believer. And he opposed any organized religion. But he but Bill couldn't get it out of his head that his friend came to visit and no longer was was haunted by this thing called alcohol. So anyway, long story short, Bill Wilson goes to a mission that's, that his friend introduces him to that helps the homeless, the drunk and the destitute and then admits himself to a hospital for alcoholics. And as Bill Wilson is growing sober, he realises that there's only two roads ahead for him, either death or insanity. And it was at this point that Bill Wilson has his famous spiritual experience. And I won't go into the spiritual experience, but Bill calls out to God and asks for a way to be shown something, some kind of help. And he is given a sign, he's given a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening. And he goes to see his doctor, 
to make sure that he wasn't hallucinating when he was having this experience. And the doctor assures him that it was not a hallucination, that what he may have felt or had or seen or thought was the real deal. And with that, armed and reading a book called The Varieties of Religious Experience that also validated the experience to Bill, he realises that it was a real deal. It was a real experience. It was a spiritual awakening for him. And after that, he felt massively blessed of what had happened to him, of this spiritual experience. And he realised that he didn't need to, that he didn't need to go into alcohol. So this experience basically cured him of his alcoholism, this spiritual experience. Now, let me go into deeper because you're thinking, how? Let me go into it further. Stay with me. So now as Bill has gone through this awakening, this spiritual awakening, he's feeling so blessed, but at the same time, Bill is thinking to himself, well, how come so many thousands of other drunks have to miss out and die on die with terrible deaths? And so the thought began to grow on him to start a movement for recovering alcoholics. But even the Oxford group friends that thought that the alcoholics any kind of movement for them was going to be a lost cause. And so it took Bill drive, determination, mixed with his missionary zeal, to prove everybody wrong, and ironically turning the movement's spiritual principles, which are drawn from the world's religions. So his principles he's got written down are drawn from the world's religions, and he's put them down into a famous 12 steps. And if you've heard of the 12 steps you know that these 12 steps is what's now known as Alcoholics Anonymous. So Bill Wilson founded Alcoholics Anonymous, a 12-step program that takes you away from this, this cycle, vicious cycle of alcoholism. And ironically, one of the steps involves giving alcohol to a higher power. It's ironic because from a man who never even believed now, here's what's important to know here, and the reason why I gave you his background, is that through this disaster, through this absolute agony, through this absolute chaotic lifestyle that he led for so many years, feeling unworthy or worthless or feeling like he either had two choices, insanity or death, he was able to find something that was able to outlive him to create something, to have a contribution in the world that truly was able to outlast him. But it started off with him getting to know himself. And that's what all passion is. Passion is the ability to know yourself because once you know that passion within you, now I'm not saying that Bill Wilson had a PhD on himself and knew himself like nobody's business, but he understood that there was a problem. He understood that he had to solve this problem. He held on to that. And once he solved it, he thought, so how can I distribute this and help other people? And that's how the real momentum of passion outlasts lifetimes of people because it comes from a space of giving value rather than the seeking the value outside yourself. And a gene story from episode three last uh, two days ago that was up and Bill's story, if it teaches us anything, it is exactly that. That how we look at the world determines how we're going to look at our own selves. For Bill, 
the catalyst of change was when he saw a friend overcome this. The possibility of overcoming this was just so narrow because unless you know it's possible, you don't know if you can do it. When he saw the possibility of someone overcoming it, excuse me, you know that now the possibility can be done for you as well. And holding on to that belief is what led him through that spiritual experience because it was a belief and then led him through overcoming through that spiritual experience, realizing that he can overcome being an alcoholic and then creating a system that was able to help people, anyone who wanted and was eager to get over this vicious cycle of being an alcoholic. And so the passion speaks powerfully when you can give it a voice and it always comes from you. When you look outside yourself, it's where it gets stunted. But when you look at within yourself, and sometimes it's not called passion. I'm sure Bill Wilson didn't start out thinking, well, what, what am I good at? What can I give to the world? It was just trying to help himself. And as a result of helping himself, because it was either death or insanity, it led to a movement of helping so many others. And that's advice to myself and to you, listener, who's listening to this right now. And that is that if you're looking for your passion, if you're on journey to your passion, if you're living in your passion, wherever you are in that, that journey, it's the ordinary thing ordinary things that get you to the extraordinary. The extraordinary thing that Bill Wilson produced was Alcoholics Anonymous, a 12-step system that allows people to look and find ways of how to cure themselves by releasing their problem to a higher power. Now, that's the system of the 12 steps. I'm not sure if anyone has heard of the 12 steps, but you've heard of the Alcoholics Anonymous and how it works in terms of you've heard of the name not in terms of the details of the 12 steps. But that was the extraordinary move that he made in his life. But it took so many, many ordinary steps to get to that. Uh, the lady that I mentioned last episode, Jean Nidich, created Weight Watchers. That was the extraordinary move. But it took the ordinary moves of trying to lose weight herself, of feeling embarrassed, of the humiliation, of trying to raise two kids, of going to Manhattan and going to these meetings and then slowly losing the weight and building camaraderie with all those ordinary steps that built to the extraordinary move. And the point that I'm sharing here is we, we, all of us, want to do something extraordinary with our life. We want to have our life to mean something, that we were here for a reason, that because we were here, life was, the world is just a tiny bit better because we did something to contribute to its betterment. The betterment comes from when we take these ordinary moves of bettering ourselves, which then creates the better movement, the extraordinary movement later on in life. And later on in life doesn't mean years from now. It could mean the next moment, the next year, the next day, the next month, right? And so what I take away from Bill, what I take away from Jean, and by the way, if you haven't listened to Jean, it's episode three, and you want to wait, make sure to listen to that, especially if, um, if you're in the weight loss or losing weight or wanting to know how Weight Watchers came into fruition. What I learned from these things is that it's really ordinary steps that produce extraordinary value in the world. And even though in the moment of the ordinary, while we're hustling and bustling and sitting in traffic and brushing our teeth or putting on our shoes or the ordinary moments 
built up, create the extraordinary delivery and that God-given gift that we have to give to the world. But we get to get through the ordinary to stand and deliver the extraordinary. Thank you so much for your time, guys. I'm going to wrap up episode four. If you've got any questions, if you have any questions, if you'd like to make a comment, please, there's a bar on this where you're listening right now. There is a, a bar where you can click on it, a message, a tap, a clap. Let us know. Share this if you think it's going to help someone else to really realize their value or to share a journey with someone. If you feel that this has been of benefit to you, by all means, please do go ahead and share this. Please go and leave a comment. Any questions, I would love to hear from you. And if you'd like the steps on how to find your passion and to download it for free, you're most welcome to listen to episodes one and two of the Unbox Your Gift podcast or to go to unboxyourgift.com and download it for free there. Wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, whatever is going on for you, my advice to myself and to you is life is a gift, unbox it. Thank you.